1: I don't know if there's anybody smarter than me out there, but I will say that I did not see that ending coming until the final episode.
2: Because when I, I saw this, I thought, now this is in Liam's wheelhouse.
1: I uh, grew up with her on the Disney Channel. My little sisters were very big fans of the Wizards of Waverly Place.
2: I kind of wish Brazos was real, because I, I that seems like something I would have watched a couple hours a day of on uh, TNT reruns. Hello, and welcome to The Big Stream from TheBigLeague.com. My name is Stephen Douglas. With me today is Liam McEwen. Uh, Liam, we are here today to talk about Only Murders in the Building and Day Shift, uh, the new zombie uh, action movie from Netflix with Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg. Uh, Let's get started with Only Murders in the Building. This is a show that just finished up a very strong second season. It's coming back for a third, which is set up in a finale. Before we get into season two, uh, how did you get involved with the show? Did you watch it last year when it was coming out week by week?
1: Uh, I did. I was on it for episode one, mostly because the enticing combination of the three main characters was a pretty easy sell for me. It looked intriguing. It looked kind of fun. I liked the first season a lot, really kept me on the edge of my seat. There was some humor that was a little lost in translation for me as somebody who ironically does not consume podcasts to a very large degree. There's lots of little podcast jokes in there, especially if you're somebody who's pretty into murder podcast, but for somebody who doesn't watch any of that, the show is still tremendous. I watched the end of season one. I was a little, I will acknowledge at the end of season one, the finale there was a little irritated with what I felt to be a little bit of a shoehorn uh, at the very end of the season that kind of forced there to be a cliffhanger for season two. And I felt everything wrapped up kind of well on its own. But I now realize after seeing season two, that that's kind of all part of the bit. But I was super excited for season two. I think that the writing in the show is just absolutely brilliant. The acting jobs done by our three protagonists are amazing. And I thought season two overall built on what season one established pretty well. I think they did some stuff better. And I think that remarkably, and this is a problem that all these sorts of shows have is that you spend the entire time waiting for the twist and they still manage to keep you in the dark. I don't know if there's anybody smarter than me out there, but I will say that I did not see that ending coming until the final episode, which I thought was a fairly impressive feat considering everybody who watched season one was just kind of sitting there trying to guess for their own what the big twist was going to be, what the big reveal was going to be.
2: Seeing the way that the uh, season ended, can't imagine anybody's listening to this that hasn't already watched it. So if you haven't, uh, spoilers ahead and we'll give you a timestamp so you can jump ahead to day shift. If you're a part of the day shift nation that has, uh, undoubtedly Googled us at the end, I, you know, it kind of, well, you knew it would be one of the bigger names. You knew it would be like Michael Rapport or Cara Delevingne and Rappaport, Michael Rappaport, just what's he doing, man? (laughs) I don't understand. How he uh, he's just been working for so long it's he's kind of good like uh, I mean just I I, like exclaimed,
1: I exclaimed out loud when he appeared on the screen I would say that is one of the most unexpected character exp- uh, appearances that I have seen in any sort of television show or movie in quite some time
2: yeah it, it's all this certain type of like uh a lot a lot of people from the 30 rock universe. Have showed up in this show, and Michael Rapaport, I would say, is decidedly not that. They gave it away with the red glitter. They showed it, and and the twist was at the very ending. Which, as it as it played out, when they had Steve Martin's uh, body covered in blood in the blanket, I I knew at that point that it was a setup, because I am a genius detective myself. <laughs> um, going back, I I have listened to a lot of murder podcasts and. This is obviously a uh, rip of Serial Season 1, which kind of uh, defined the genre. And it's so good. I I had no idea what this was coming into it when I first started watching Season 1. I just saw, you know, a new show with Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short, which, awesome. I mean, I you know, to see how good these guys still are right now at this age um, is incredible and in the fact that they're not like i don't know, they just sit around and wait for it to do things they want to do i guess you know martin short inexplicably was uh on the john mulaney show which was horrid um uh, <laughs> and steve martin they've just they're just two guys that have been making us laugh for decades and i i think the the big surprise for me i I knew of Selena Gomez. Uh, I knew her kind of was like a pop star and then she's on it and she is just as good. She fits right in. She is great. Um, And it's a great ensemble cast with like, it's another one of those shows that just has a great universe of characters. Um, So I was very happy with how good the first season was. And I kind of remember feeling the same way about the end of the season and they kind of turn it around real quick. So I think they've probably had this full idea, probably like three or four season arc in mind. But it's a very good show. And I, I'm i excited to see the Steve Martin and Paul Rudd kind of uh, just get mad at each other for an entire season. Yeah, Paul Rudd showing up at the very end. I didn't think,
1: I will say they fooled me a little bit. I thought that was going to be more of a, epilogue sans cliffhanger instead of the cliffhanger but then obviously it ended up being quite the cliffhanger uh Paul Rudd is going to be a really interesting addition to that grouping because it's all I mean and it's and he's perfect for I think he's perfect for kind of what the show puts forward as far as their comedic foot is kind of that quick very quick humor dry humor I think Paul Rudd will do really well in that Your point about Selena Gomez definitely holds. I uh, grew up with her on the Disney Channel. My little sisters were very big fans of the Wizards of Waverly Place. I, myself, was in a little bit of awe when I first saw Waverly Place the street when I moved to New York for college. But uh, she did fit in really, really well. And one of the things I liked a lot about season two is the way that they uh, evolved the relationship between Selena Gomez, Martin Short, and Steve Martin. I was halfway through and they alleviated some of these fears halfway through season one but at times it seemed in season one they leaned on the boomer versus millennial bit a little much and i didn't really want them to keep doing that in season two and of course they still did but there were less moments with selena gomez in that role and more moments with steve martin's adopted daughter it's a little unclear but the uh the daughter figure i suppose that he has ended up becoming that like zoomer kind of deliverer of the boomer jokes I think that one of my only criticisms of this season was that the two major side characters that you mentioned, Michael Rappaport and Cara Delevingne, were not, I mean, they were, they were good for the roles that they were in, but their interaction, and maybe this was on purpose, honestly, but it felt like the chemistry between those two characters and our main ensemble was much worse than the chemistry between Anybody else, and that certainly could have been a certain artistic direction, but I also kind of felt like Cara Delevingne and Michael Rappaport don't vibe with anybody when they're on screen. Like they were decent in their roles when they were like monologuing, basically, but when they when there was a, some back and forth required, I didn't feel that there was much there. Especially, I guess that's more of a problem with cara de levine's character because her and selena gomez had like a fling in the early episodes less of a problem with michael Rappaport, who's just there to be an angry new york police officer which to his credit did a pretty good job but that was really i mean that was my one of my only my one of my few criticisms of the season i think that as characters they were both you know good additions to the story that kept things interesting i think in retrospect they were obvious well at least Cara Delevingne was just there to have like some weird suspect that draws your attention away from the main suspect. That was kind of her only purpose, really. Michael Rappaport obviously played a bigger role, but I think that that would be something I'd be on the lookout for season three is kind of trying to determine which characters are actually important to pushing the story forward and which characters are giving the spotlight just to essentially avert our gaze, much like a magician.
2: I recently watched
1: The Prestige again.
2: Uh, There are a lot of characters in the first half of the season that I'm just remembering now, as you were speaking, Um, like the, the new board president and what does it matter? It's, it's supposed to have a lot of people that come and go, you know, it's a a big show in the apartment building. Um, Cara Delevingne and Selena Gomez are like best friends in real life or something. I think I read. So it's weird that they would have any chemistry issues, but uh, you know, it's kind of a, the show is kind of a parody on like a lot of things like podcasting definitely, but this definitely took some uh, aim at the art world really makes fun of uh, television um, and theater with all the ridiculous things that uh, Martin Short's character does. And, uh, and Brazos, which is just, I, 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 I kind of wish Brazos was real. Cause I, I would have, that seems like something I would have watched a couple hours a day of on a uh, TNT reruns. So, the big
1: twist at the end of this season was that Poppy, the assistant to Tina Fey, ended up being the one who engineered the murder of Bunny and set all these events in motion. I think that the this twist, I think I didn't like it as much as I liked the season one twist, because the season one twist featured a more established character, but... Um, this seemed to essentially come out of nowhere from starting probably like episode seven out of the nine episodes where they are the 10 episodes i should say where they hint that tina fey is somehow involved i will say they fooled me you know that's the problem with watching week by week instead of being able to uh to binge it all is that you tend to start overthinking it and falling victim to your own, uh, own thoughts and such. And I really thought that Tina Fey did it. And then they immediately disproved that in the first, like 10 minutes of the next episode. But I think that this one was a little bit more out of left field than the first season, which is why organically it didn't feel as satisfying, but that goes back. It really overall goes back to my original point that I made where I really didn't see it coming. It's an impressive accomplishment for a show where you know something is going to happen and you're constantly on your guard trying to guess what that thing is going to be and then to have it end up being a total surprise, I would have a hard time believing anybody really thought that Poppy was truly behind all this leading into the finale.
2: Yeah, it was pretty smart to have it be just one of those people that's there in front of your face the entire time, basically. Uh, weird character. I think it was... I mean, it was definitely surprising to uh, make her one of the victims, which, I don't know, kind of makes the whole thing, the original podcast that she did, um, Poppy probably has some a lot of explaining to do. Um, this would also, you would think, hurt her reputation a lot as uh, the dead girl she was chasing was uh, in her office for quite some time <laughs> afterwards. I'm not sure how she would feel, but... As for Tina Fey, I, it's just as a huge 30 Rock fan, it is uh, it's it's just great to see Tina Fey show up pretty much anywhere. So the twist, you know, it, it it was good. It definitely was out of nowhere. You know, Michael Rappaport was the one that you always expect expected. And, you know, he kind of he was half of it. Um, So it was both it both made sense. And it's like something that, you know, nobody, somebody that's half paying attention would be able to kind of figure out. And it was also, and they also pull off a big curveball, So I'd say I, I feel like the smart and the dumb people can both feel good about uh, what they were watching, which I'm sure is what Steve Martin, Martin Short uh, really, that's uh, their goal. But yeah, I, I just love uh, seeing Steve Martin, Martin Short, doing something again that's just i mean really it's it's so impressive and to f- the fact that it's such a, like a modern series where it's like something they got to do on their own they got to make it exactly what they wanted and you know it's about podcasting it's about the state of television remakes and uh murder podcasts and weird art you know it's it's a hell of an accomplishment i think
1: It really is, and it was very jarring to realize that Steve Martin is 77 years old. It looks like that man hasn't actually aged a year in, like, two decades, probably. So I will say that's the one bad thing Only Murders brought me was my attention to the fact that Steve Martin is, like, getting a true old now. But, you know, we get to be in a third season of Only Murders, if anything. Very excited. I think that they've established a pretty high expectation now. It would be difficult to supersede that expectation but i'm very confident in their ability to at the very least uh, meet those expectations
2: yeah it's kind of i don't know if steve martin has looked looked 77 for 30 years or looked uh 45 for 35 years um it's kind of confusing and martin short it's still so good like uh he he was on jimmy fallon and just roasted him for like 20 minutes about being a proud boy and stuff like that. <laughs> and, I mean, God, it's just, it's just so good to have these really funny people. And I, I am very excited for whenever the next season comes back, you know, obviously they're already working on it. You know, Paul Rudd's already shot those scenes. Um, So I'm, I'm a hundred percent excited for season three and uh just, can't wait to have Steve Martin and Martin short and Selena Gomez back in my life, uh, trying not to be like each other.
1: Exactly.
2: And for the
1: rating that we always give, I give it a four and a half out of five.
2: You know, the funny thing is, I don't know if we're, I think we Kyle, we do it out of like four stars, but, and we do it out of five. What? I have no <laughs> idea. I mean, what what does it really matter? Because I mean did, did you and Ryan rate the the second episode of Game of Thrones or Game of Dragons?
1: Yes, I'm thinking that rating per episode is maybe not the best idea. Yeah. But, yeah
2: we fine. I I think we might just want to go something weird and just make up ratings every episode. Um so I out of uh, out, out of out of 6 murders in the building, <laughs> I am giving this uh five murders in the building because uh, Only Murders in the Building is a very good show. So, five out of six Murders in the Building for Only Murders in the Building. And with that, we will switch to the new Netflix movie. You know, I came out a couple weeks ago. It's called Day Shift. It's about vamps and vampire hunters. And it's got Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco and Snoop Dogg. And it's kind of like vampire hunter john wick uh if john wick had child support instead of the need to avenge a dead dog and wife so liam i i think i told you to watch this right you did because when i i saw this i thought now this is in liam's wheelhouse (laughs) and while liam ignores most of my recommendations about things that are in his wheelhouse uh this is a little shorter a little under two hours i think So, Liam, I really enjoyed Day Shift as a uh, a, a popcorn action movie type thing. What would you think?
1: I also enjoyed it a lot. Uh, It both met and went against my expectations at the same time, which was interesting. Watching the trailer and seeing the various scenes that ended up online, it looked like a stupid action movie with Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco. And that's what it was. And it was still very entertaining. And that's not, you know, stupid action movies get kind of a bad rap, but definitely not between us. And there was a lot of entertainment value in there. I was very impressed at how much care and time went in to the establishment of the vampire canon, essentially. It was like they accomplished what all of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter did in like half of a movie. And so I thought that was great. The fact that Snoop Dogg had more than just a cameo was pretty surprising. Yeah. He was tremendous, of course. And Jamie Foxx is kind of in the same stage, you know, obviously he's much younger, but it's in the same stage of what we were talking about with The Only Murders, guys, where Jamie Foxx is just kind of like doing stuff for fun now, much like many of our other favorite actors who just kind of end up at a point in their careers where they can pick and choose the projects that are the most fun for them. And this was obviously one of those for Jamie Foxx. It was a goofy movie, he didn't take himself too seriously. Dave Franco's character was a hilarious character caricature of the, like, you know, squeamish accountant guy. The whole universe that they set up with how vampires are hunted was funny. The opening action scene really lived up to the expectations. I, think it, I believe it was by uh, one of the directors who did John Wick, so you could clearly see the influence there. The action wasn't as good as John Wick, but, you know, impossible standard to measure up to. Uh, overall, I liked it. I thought the the end the end disappointed me. I will say, I think that for two thirds of the movie, they built up this like pretty cool and interesting story and lore, and then just kind of tossed it aside for a massive, massive battle between vampire hunters and then Dave Franco as a vampire. And then the other vampire that they kind of threw in the last 20 minutes of the movie to even things up a little bit and make it more realistic that they could take on an entire nest of all sorts of vampires. So I think that dominated my thoughts in the immediate aftermath. I was a little disappointed. Like the action scenes are pretty awesome, but I think that there was some a lot of potential left there. A little bit more meat on the bone than they could have left in terms of executing a quality, I don't know, conclusion that didn't that wasn't just a crazy action scene. But as time went on, I launched it last weekend, so, you know, five days ago or whatever. I, uh, I liked it. I liked it more. You know, it's not anything crazy. You can be, you know, you can make the criticism I'm making that it could have been better, but it definitely could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And I think the ground they struck was pretty good.
2: Like, first thing you mentioned, uh, Jamie Foxx just doing something. Um, This man was in Booty Call, and he has also won an Oscar. Um, He, I don't know if you saw this, he made a a music video for this movie. I did not Okay, so Jamie Foxx made a music video for this movie. Out of all the Jamie Foxx movies, he made one for this. It's like a full three-minute real song called Bud, uh, Mowing Down Vamps. It's Jamie Street, Jamie Foxx and the BSB Boys. I don't know who that is. And, like, Dave Franco sings the uh, the hook, okay, <laughs> and dances. It is, I don't know, I mean, what more could you want from this movie? <laughs> um, Jamie Foxx is funny in it. Uh, I think the movie pulls off the uh, world building for this kind of John Wick type universe better than any of the John Wick clones have since. I think there is a great opportunity that if this is good enough for Netflix, if enough people watch or whatever their metric is, there is an unlimited uh, opportunity to do. I mean, if Jamie Foxx liked what he was doing, do sequels. You could do prequels, spin-offs. I mean, it's it's not essential that any of this happens, but I think that they set it up so they could. Uh, Dave Franco was really funny. Uh, it's, it's very... J- Dave Franco has taken all of the goodwill that his brother once had and just picked it up off the ground as he threw it away. <laughs> um, he's, he's funnier than his brother. Uh, i don't think maybe he's not as uh yeah i mean he, he's the superior franco which is why you get to marry allison Bree, i guess so a uh, snoop dog was just snoop dog if snoop dog was a vampire hunter in a cowboy hat um showing up with a comically large gun and i, I think they did a good job of like not trying to like, when, when they showed up, they're staking out this this first house of Dave Franco, the house, with uh, where the brothers show up. You know, you when it first happens, you're like, ah, oh, they're going to double-cross each other, they're going to fight over this, they're going to trick each other. But no, they literally just worked together and had a pretty awesome 5-10 minute fight scene where they were, you know killing one of the swarms or whatever they call them. in this uh, mythology, the big problem for me with the movie was like the, uh, the main female vampire uh, who was a real realtor or something. Her motives were kind of not really set up. I mean, I guess that was like her mother or something that Jamie Foxx killed in the original one. I don't think her daughter. Oh, that. Okay. Yeah. It was her daughter. Uh, kind of unnecessary you don't really need that uh, especially when she's gonna die and the fact that she's a big bad doesn't really matter because i mean they're vampires so what more motivation do they really need other than i mean she already
1: had a big evil plan like she was buying houses and then filling them with vampires who all were just gonna like live in their own community i guess or something yeah that that was i mean that was i think you learned like less than 15 minutes before the movie was over that Jamie, the first vampire Jamie killed, was her daughter, which they quickly explain as she just for, couldn't get back to her until she was an old woman and then turned her into a vampire for reasons unknown. I mean, listen, if I'm going to end up being like 85 years old, I'd rather die, not become a vampire.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, that part was pretty poorly done. You could That could have been like the, the revenge plot of uh, the sequel, um whatever uh the other my other main problem with the movie was uh uh megan good jane fox's wife was not privy to his career she has been married to him had a kid and she thinks he's a pool cleaner i guess and they live in this giant house uh she didn't have any questions about the money until the vampires showed up at the end of the movie um which I mean did John Wick's wife know that he was John Wick?
1: I think so, yeah,
2: okay, yeah, uh, it seems like something that you would have to uh share with your spouse as you're putting four locks on your uh expensive home uh, well, why is this so oh, because of uh uh people that are unhappy with the algae <laughs> levels. <laughs> you know it, it, that part doesn't make sense but you know you know and especially with how accepting she was once uh they saved her life and the life of the daughter so i overall i was i was very i was surprised it was another thing where it's like it just shows up on netflix all of a sudden it's friday night and you turn on netflix and there's a new movie that you've never heard of but it's got the lot the algorithm has uh put Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg on the cover. So, yeah, I guess I'll watch that while I have a beer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There were some fundamental problems with the movie, especially... I mean, they lived in, like, a really nice house, and she didn't question where that came from. It sounded like she worked, too, but not, you know, not like that. And (sighs) he got injured a lot in this movie. Like, it's you know how much can you really explain coming home covered in vampire blood or regular blood or your clothes being torn to literal shreds
2: or or you're in in the shower taking the uh bath with the uh, yellow powder and you get it in your butthole Um, (laughs) and why are you screaming so much in the shower oh no reason just uh do just Doing my thing, yeah. Tough to explain
1: away, and she was, as you said, very quick to accept everything that was happening around her. You know, that could have been solved with just making, you know, them, like, dating and her being, like, uh, his, like, soon-to-be stepdaughter or something. That was kind of my, like, it's a, it's a microcosm of some of my problems with the movie as a whole. Is Come that... on, Netflix. Let us write this stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hire me, hire me and Steven to write your next vampire movie. I dare you. But there were minor problems that were like kind of important to the plot that could have easily been fixed or patched with some fairly simple rewriting. And it kind of felt like they filmed the end of the movie and they were like, yeah, fuck it, good enough. And like for three quarters, they were totally right. It was just that one last quarter of like a couple things that kind of stick out in your mind is like, that doesn't make sense or that doesn't feel right. In a movie about killing vampires, it's an impressive feat to even get to that point where you have those things pop up. But I mean, you know, as you said, didn't really impact my enjoyment of what was going on in front of me because it was just some extremely sweet hack and slash stuff. Jamie Fox did a great job, Stunt team did a great job. I thought that uh the the funniest little dumb overlooked detail was that Dave Franco went from being a squeamish accountant to being a literal ninja after being bitten by a vampire. I thought it was interesting, the implications there were that you are granted karate powers upon becoming a vampire instead of just being faster, stronger, and quicker than you ever were. But, you know, otherwise, I mean, you know, there are so many more bad movies to watch out there. This was better than the aforementioned previous vampire uh, equivalent that I made, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. I think this was more enjoyable, maybe because there were bigger guns. Who's to say? We won't get into it. But, you know, overall, I mean, I got to watch Jamie Foxx just shoot vampires in the face for like an hour and a half. And then also had Snoop Dogg with a chain gun killing vampires. I mean, what more can a man really ask for outside of the constructive criticism we already gave?
2: Yeah, um, I was very pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed it. If they made a sequel, I would watch it when it was first released. I would probably even know the release date without having to uh, be surprised on Netflix. So to rate uh, Day Shift, starring Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco and Snoop Dogg and Megan Good and some other people, I will give this, uh, I I would say this movie mowed down five out of seven vamps. I'm
1: at six, six out of seven vamps. Okay. I really I, I truly I really like took to heart the action scenes in that movie. They were a little goofy, like on purpose. The like the the action sequences weren't that crisp, but I felt that to be more intentional than anything else. And then obviously the story could have been better, but at the end of the day, you're watching a movie about Jamie Foxx, vampire hunter. You can't put too much stock in the storyline. So six out of seven vamps brutally murdered.
2: Beautiful. So for the big stream and the big lead, my name is Steven Douglas. That's Liam McKeon. And we will see you next week to talk about House of the Game of Thrones Dragons. Goodbye.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty-nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.